0: They are just rough drafts. A glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. Well, today you get to
1: hear from my old next-door neighbor. Uh, My friend today, today's guest, loves to geek out to Scripture. He does a little bit of everything he is cut grass. He has built and repaired guitars. He's played some music. Uh, he's a dad. He's a husband. He's a great guy. And I know that you're really going to enjoy our time with Daniel Leonard today. Daniel, thanks for coming. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Well, you moved away. I moved away. We live in different places now, so we don't get to hang out as much.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's very unfortunate. Um, yeah, that's all I could say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's all you could say without lying. That's, that's <laughs> right. That's right. No, but you're you're in a really good place now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're loving it. I want you to come and do this for one um when the show started you uh, basically have texted me every episode and we've talked about it yeah, yeah, yeah. one and i texted you and said well do you want to be on the show and you're like wait can not burns people do that <laughs> and
2: <laughs> yeah that was
1: i was thinking that the whole time i was thinking i think it's just a burns thing but uh yeah and you worship over at chapel hill yes, yes. and you live over kind of in that neck of the woods yeah, yeah and a lot of our people know you from softball and community stuff and all that good stuff yeah um Anywho, you, I just, your stories are so good and your love of God and scripture uh, are so significant. I just wanted people to get to spend some time with you. Well, I, I appreciate that. So going to be fun. Uh, without further ado, <laughs> I'll just ask my question. What's your God story? All right. Um You know,
2: since you asked me, I've been really thinking about like where to start, you know, because um, I immediately think of when the lord really got my attention and then i think of okay well there's so much more going on before then um i really i feel like i have to start um with my grandma uh my grandma uh well she's not my grandma we call her granny everybody in the in the whole county calls her granny or they all call her granny mill but she's my granny and and uh you know when i was growing up uh, we always had this unique closeness as opposed to all the grandchildren. I was like one of 17 or 18 or something like that. But we lived with her probably three different times in my life. Um, She, uh, she would take me to church when we were, when I was little, I wasn't really consistent with being a part of a church. I mean, kind of, but not really. I I don't know if you're familiar with the church of Christ down on river road. Oh yeah. So that's where I kind of grew up. Um, And uh, you know, I have, I have this weird fear, or I had this weird fear when I was a kid that when I went to uh, Sunday school or whatever, apparently there's this story that you know they they asked me a question and it freaked me out. And I was like, I'm never going back to Bible class ever again. I don't want to get asked a question. So for years I was just like, totally would force my mom to be late to church so that then I could convince her that we don't need to go in and, and all that stuff. So I had a very awkward relationship with church and church things. But what granny did, though, was she was always incorporating things. I think of that Deuteronomy scripture where it talks about, you know, when you're walking down the road and when you're going places and you're sitting at the table, you know, teach your kids the law and all this kind of stuff. She totally did that. It was like everywhere we went, she was like, hey, let me uh, sing this song to you or or let me uh, share you this parable that Jesus taught. Like she would bring my my friends in. We'd be swimming outside and she, she would say, uh, Daniel, bring your friends over to the house. And then we'd walk in and she would have this Bible study prepared, you know? I mean, nowadays you do that and you, you know, people would get angry, but it's like, you know, we're 12 years old and we're like, okay, you know, this is, this will be interesting. Yeah. But I, I remember the whole time it always felt like it was in vain as a kid. Cause I was just like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe this is, this is, I mean, it was good. I, I believed in it and stuff, but at the same time, it never really took hold of my life. Yeah. And, um you know as i got older i started noticing that it, it that it actually did affect certain things but it didn't really affect my decision making it just affected maybe my mental ascent of you know where who i thought god was
1: you kind of had a fact in your head that god is there
2: he's there and he and he's he's protecting us and he's with us and he loves us i i, I never once ever doubted that um but when it came to just being a stupid teenager it did not affect that at all i was <laughs> i was making all kinds of bad decisions and so Um, but you know, we lived in Bellevue for a little while. She lived like right, right across the street. She moved to Pigram. And then, uh, my mom, I guess at some point she wanted me, um, I went to an elementary school in Bellevue and, um, it was going to, I think I was going to go to head middle school. Does that sound right? There was a, it it went off into, um, Hillwood. That was the high school I would have ended up going to. And my mom was like, I don't, I don't really want you going there because there's like drugs and all this kind of stuff. And, and so she took me out to Pigram. I went to Pigram elementary and we ended up living with granny again. And, uh, we kind of settled in Pickram, and, uh, you know, that was kind of the whole deal, um, in my childhood at that point. But we were always so close to her. She was across the railroad tracks, you know, I saw her every, every day. Um, but you know, she, uh, she, she was very intrusive in a in a lovely way.
1: <laughs> intrusive in a lovely way.
2: I don't know any other way to put it. Uh, she would it, 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 she's probably going to listen to this and she's probably going to laugh when I say that cuz cuz she I'd be at home, you know, in the summer doing whatever, watching country music videos or or whatever, you know, just being a a kid, and she would walk in and be like, "Daniel, your room's a mess. We need to clean it." And she'd walk in and just completely destroy my bedroom. Oh wow. And then we'd put it back together and it would feel so good. I'd be like, "Oh, that's awesome." But I I lived in the in the household with a mom who was suffering from severe depression and health issues, and so Granny was always just kind of stepping in and being the rescuer. She was always stepping in and and helping my mom. Uh, and even though my mom dealt with all that kind of stuff, she was probably one of the most loving, faithful, just amazing people I've ever known. So she had these demons that she was dealing with all the time. But she also, um, you know, she would have a coworker who would have MS, and she would go dear like after Sunday church she would go and like take care of her for the afternoon yeah and stuff like that so it was kind of a weird hodgepodge environment growing up where you have a mom who's suffering from all kinds of stuff but when it came to to her when it comes to her actions she was so faithful in that way it was very very interesting yeah um yeah and so uh i'm trying to think of where i left off
1: so you know you you went to your grannies and she kind of had these Bible studies and mm-hmm. sort of you weren't sure what it did you moved back to her place in middle in middle school is that what
2: yeah, yeah yeah it was uh it well so it was yes and no Pickram elementary was uh, had a fifth and sixth grade the year that I moved to Pickram, but then when I went to sixth grade we moved to the middle school so it was technically okay middle school grades but yeah it was fifth grade was when I went okay and what did those
1: years treat you like
2: man that was kind of a weird time, honestly, because I was at, um, uh, when we were living at my granny's, my, my dad's brother died and, uh, my sister was born like a month later. And so that was kind of a whole thing. And I guess I forgot another detail. I need to go back in time a little bit. My dad left when I was about four years old. Okay. And so, uh, it's just being me and my mom. Uh, I've known my dad my whole life. I've never, uh, not loved my dad. I never thought that he didn't love me, uh, but we just relationally have been, you know, distant, uh, and, I've seen him, you know, several times throughout the years, but not any like super consistent basis. But, um, so that, that happened when I was four. And so we've been, it was me and my mom from then on. And, um, so when I'm, you know, I'll never forget I was at the house at granny's house and, um, and my mom was like, we're going to church with your dad this morning. And I was like, that's just weird. We've never done that before. She was like, "Just get your church clothes on and get in the car. You'll. I'll explain when we get in the car. Well, we get there or wherever we are, and my dad's in a like a limo kind of thing. It was super weird. I mean, but I'm you know fifth grade. I don't even know what's going on. I'm still convinced we're going to church. Yeah. And I sit in his lap and I'm like, Hey, you know, how's Uncle Ricky doing? And he the, he just said, Uncle Ricky, Uncle Ricky's dead. Oh. And I was just in shock. I mean, I, he had been in the hospital. He uh, he had an accident, um, actually trying to uh, take his own life, mm-hmm. and he was going to recover. And then it became this whole thing where uh, the hospital didn't really take care of him very well, and and so uh, that was that was a pretty big deal to me because even though I didn't know my dad uh, really well, like in a in a, like I said, in a consistent basis. I don't want to say I didn't know my dad, but I mean, you I, I didn't close. live with him. I didn't live yeah. with him, you know, so it's just different. Um, I still loved my dad and I still loved his brothers, brother. His bro- you know, Ricky was awesome. And so it was kind of a weird time when that happened. Um, but, uh, you know, fast forward, you get to uh, around that time, I started playing baseball and, uh, and that be- kind of became a huge thing in my life. And then about 15 years old, I uh, I got hit in the face with a fastball. Ooh. It was one of my good friends playing on the other team and he hit me right above the eye and uh and it just knocked me out cold. Oh wow. And uh it was intense. It was intense and it made me think, rethink everything. I was planning on, you know, trying to go to college and stuff and play baseball and immediately I was kinda starting to play guitar at the time. Yeah. And so it kinda gave me an outlet of like maybe guitar's a little safer than playing baseball. Guitars don't usually hit <laughs> you in the face. That's right. You know. I remember vividly I remember vividly having the thought What's the worst that could happen playing guitar? And literally, the next thought that went in my head was, you could be playing live and get electrocuted. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, maybe that's not the maybe that's not the
1: best route. I was thinking like, you know, a string breaks and you pop yourself in the eye. That so. can
2: happen too. That's actually more likely. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of a worst case scenario guy, though. I, I man, when I if you tell me what's the worst case scenario, I promise you, I'll come up with something ten times worse than. <laughs>
1: Do you remember there's a little yellow book that was popular a little while back? It was called The Worst Case Scenario Survival Guide. Oh, no. Sounds it, it almost had like comics. It was an adult book. Uh, mm. And it was, you know, here's how to survive in an avalanche. Here's how to survive in a plane crash. It oh, wow. Kind of a fun little. It was almost a little goofy, but I think yeah, it was yeah, supposed yeah. to give true-ish advice, you know, hmm. um,
2: you know. I feel like that would destroy my mind if I read that. <laughs> <laughs> Note
1: to self. <laughs> Devin, don't get that for him.
2: For yeah, Christmas. I feel like I would read that and I would just have nightmares for weeks. <laughs> the things he had thought of that could go wrong. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we start
1: transitioning towards guitar.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm playing guitar and and um and I, I'm gonna get to the to the God part here in a minute, but this is this all plays a crucial role oh, in, in course, what yeah. what leads up. So uh, I'm playing guitar, and about that time I'm a junior in high school, and I dude, I'm I'm awkward, I'm weird, I don't have really a community to hang out with. I never went to. Uh, I never went to sporting events. I never did anything. I don't think I went to one football game the whole time I was in high school. Yeah. And so I had one really close friend, but he was branching off and having other friends that were doing things like parties and stuff. And I just had, I didn't do anything. I went home, played video games, did porn school. And that was about it. My mom worked all the time. And so, you know, I didn't really have a a stable life. It wasn't like bad and harsh. It was just, I was doing it, you know, not, I hate to even say on my own. But it's just my mom was working all the time because she had to. And so I'm home. I'm in the afternoon. Homework was not a priority. But when I get to my junior year, I'm playing guitar and I'm like, okay, people will start noticing I can play guitar. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. It feels good that people in school know who I am now. Yeah. I think I got nominated for most talented that year or something like that. Uh, And so that was kind of fun, you know, uh, because that was the first time ever that I feel like my name, you know, went off on the radar. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I always I always make a joke with people now. I'm like, I was that quiet, weird kid in high school that if later on in life, you found out I had like committed some heinous crime, <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, that that kind of makes sense. He
1: was a little weird in high school. Oh <laughs> uh, like wore a trench coat to elementary school or something, you know? Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, that's a, uh... so um, senior year, uh, that was about the time that I was like finally getting out of my shell. And I remember I went to one party and there happened to be people from my high school there, and it was the first time I'd ever hung out with anybody from high school, or from school at all, aside from that one friend. Yeah. And there was beer there, and stuff like that, and uh, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to drink and have some fun, and I, th- I keep in mind, I've never drank alcohol. I might have taken a sip of something, Yeah. and I think I drank like uh, 12 cans of, of uh, Bud Light or something like Starting that. Starting strong? It was unreal. I, and, and I drank some Smirnoff or something like that, and I- you felt great the next Oh, time. my goodness. No, I did not at all. It was a horrible experience. Yeah. And so, uh, but that night I was like, you know, walking around and I was chatty and I just thought it was so fun. And yeah. again, I just thought it was, you know, great. And the next morning it was the, it was the, it was so bad. I yeah. mean, I had a headache. I threw up everywhere. Um, It was not fun. And so, but then the next week we had another party. I was like, this will be fun. You know, I'll do it again. Cause it'll be with the same people. But I wasn't going to do that again. I mean, I, I knew my limits, or at least I thought I did. But then it was probably a couple months after that, a friend of mine got to talking to me about pot. And he was like, hey, man, you know, uh, I've been smoking pot lately. You want to try that? And I was like, yeah, maybe. And we were, we were trying to come up with this like weird way of getting it snuck into school so that we could take it home. And, and I remember thinking, uh, I know what we'll do. Well, I'll take my acoustic guitar into school. And then I'll take the battery out, and we can put the joints in the battery pocket, so that no one thinks that you know we have, wow, you know, we, no one knows that we have drugs in the school, yeah, because it's in my guitar, yeah. And we never did that, but I just remember thinking that's a that's a genius kind of thing to do. So, boys and girls, if you're listening today, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just realized that I did that. No, no, you're uh, right. it it would not have worked. I promise you, it would not yeah. have. The drug dogs will smell it. That's right. It, it would not have worked. They yeah, they wouldn't have fit. And plus, the right answer is put it in your friend's guitar so yes yeah.
1: when he gets caught. <laughs> that's, that's not what we're supposed to take from that that's lesson right. either.
2: No, no, no. So, so yeah, I, again, this is just to highlight that I wasn't thinking clearly. You know, I was a kid. I'm, I ha- y- You know, you talk about this identity crisis that everybody's going through. I resonate with that well. I, I realize that it's it's kind of silly that we have an identity crisis, but it, it is what it is. And, you know, you I remember in high school, I went through one year where I'm like wearing hunting clothes all the time and I'm hunting all the time to the next year I'm wearing, you know, hole, holes in my jeans and tie dye t-shirts and, and it's like I didn't have a clue who I was in high school.
1: It's amazing though, like how many people you meet that are lost puppies is the word I use. Yeah. They don't know who they are and they're wearing the costume, whether yeah. it's the, uh, the polo and khakis of the preppy kid or the black and piercings of the emo mm-hmm. kid or it's the... Business casual of the adult who yeah. is pretending to be something. There's so many masks people wear, so many costumes mm. people wear.
2: That's a very interesting way to put it. I've never even, I mean, because you always think about profiling. Yeah. And I remember my friends would always be like, "Man, that caught profiling." I'm Like, yeah, you're right. Because if I saw you, I would also think you're doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's 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 what we do. You know, if you see somebody in a nice you know polo shirt, that doesn't mean they don't do sketchy things. But you have certain things that come to, to mind. Yeah. And if you see somebody with long hair, a hemp necklace on, a tie-dyed shirt, and holes in his jeans, and he's got a guitar
1: hanging around his back, chances are he's got weed on it. And he just I mean, went out of a Grateful Dead that's concert. That's right. That's you right. Just, you just know. It's just a thing. It's funny, though. You know, there is some utility in that. Like, there's mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a shortcut. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason you take shortcuts, but shortcuts also make you sloppy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a state trooper a few weeks ago, and he was telling me a story about a, a car he pulled over because... Um, he has a license plate reader in his his car, okay. so it uh, it went off saying this car was stolen. Oh, that's interesting. But he looks over and he sees in the car, you know, the guy who's driving it is dressed, you know, business casual, button mm. down khakis. He looks nice. He pulls the guy over. He starts talking to him hmm. and super respectful. He's like, I was just planning on letting him go because he just didn't look like he was up to any anything. Mm-hmm. He says when he calls it in it comes back over that he's wanted in another state for a kidnapping. Oh, snap. And when the guy starts taking a little while to come back from his squad car, um, you know, the, the guy, the, the criminal who, I'm yeah, not yeah, the, word, word, the guy, the wants- guy uh, realizes it's taking too long, mm-hmm. takes off running down the road through Pegram, actually. Oh my uh Kingston Springs, I guess. Yeah. Makes it to the interstate. It was a, a long story about, and this police officer, this story happened 15 years ago. He said, you know, I remembered that day that profiles and shortcuts make you lazy yeah. and they sometimes cause you to miss things. That That's really a really, really good point. Cause that is, you know, the whole judging a
2: book by its cover. Oh, totally. It's, I mean, we do that. It's just natural. Yeah. But like you said, you can't let that tell you the whole story.
1: Totally. And like in the South, I know this is not the point of today's podcast. That's what yeah, yeah. neither of us have talked about. You know, there are a lot of biases that are still around mm-hmm. and sometimes stereotypes are stereotypes because there have been reasons for mm-hmm. them. But, like, when I see somebody and I immediately think they look like this, therefore they must be that, mm-hmm. I really need to learn the discipline of that may be right, mm-hmm. but don't be so sure. That's like, right. That's a know, good way to put it. Kind of slow down on that.
2: Yeah. I'm very thankful that my grandmother used to always tell me to dress, you know, a certain way because of how I'm being presented. Because I was the guy wearing tie night shirts and stuff like that. I was going to church and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And she was like, you know, you're going to be perceived a certain way. And and I, I get that for sure. I mean, I, I think that's a legitimate thing. At the same time, you know, I I, I don't think we should be judging, you know. So
1: it's kind of a, you know. It's going to happen. Yeah. We shouldn't do it as much as we're doing. That's it. right. But it's still going to happen. So if you're smart, you're going to play it to your advantage, not your disadvantage.
2: Yes, yes. And so, um, well, where was I? At? I'm sorry.
1: No, it's okay. It's okay. I'm <laughs> so, sorry. I, no. We just good. talked about... Uh, bringing drugs into school how you yeah, yeah, yeah. Who you're hanging with yeah so uh
2: you know by the time that I get to senior year you know I'm I'm hanging out with this friend uh constantly uh his parents uh have lots of alcohol in their house and so I'm uh I start you know hanging out with him late at night we start taking liquor from their cabinet we start drinking you know at night his parents aren't really paying attention that led to me uh you know Taking liquor to school and drinking it on the on like while we're in class and oh, stuff wow. like that. Um, I was very clearly somebody who was crying out for something, yeah. but I didn't had no idea that's what I was doing.
1: You didn't know who you were.
2: Yeah, no idea. Uh, but I remember vividly having the thought after I started getting high all the time. I had I vividly had the thought, man, I wish I was doing this a long time ago because it's something just makes sense now. Like life just makes sense now, and that's so sad. You know, to think that. You know, I had such a weird mindset of who I was or maybe weird, just a a broken, destructive mindset of who I was that doing something that was harming me, you know, um, and it wasn't just getting high that was harming me. It was um, it was just the mentality
1: that that's what fixes things. Mm -hmm. So you can disagree with this if you want. I went to a training last night for um, churches and faith based organizations What we can do to deal with substance abuse disorder Mm. in Tennessee because it's just stupid bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And the guy who was speaking was seven years clean, Mm. and he said, "A lot of you think that the uh, what was it? The a lot of you think that the opposite of addiction is sobriety." Mm. He said, "You're not right." He said, "The opposite of addiction is community." Oh man, amen to that. Yes, yes. Because you know what I hear you saying is you. You knew all of these places you didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. And what this guy speaking last night said was that the thing that he enjoyed most about using was, was the community. he had these people he had with. That's right. Man, that is something that's
2: something I've been developing in my mind a lot lately is uh, the identity that we have our, our, the that we think we have is rooted in the community we're a part of. And so we the more individualistic we Get I honestly think that's what's stripping us of who who we think we are because you don't have a clue because part of how we learn about who we are is looking at the people around us and who they are and we see you know how they act and which is really what's so powerful about the church the church is supposed to be the ideal community on the earth yeah we're supposed to be the community that reflects all the things that community is supposed to be about yes and I think that when you have these um, alternative communities or or parody communities that you know we We create them everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Whether it be, um, you know, I joke around, you know, you got the Ford community, you got the Chevy community, and they hate each other like two gangs, you know, in California.
1: Let's talk about the Republican community and the Democrat.
2: That's a great one. Yes. We we segregate ourselves and we divide ourselves into these little bitty pockets, and then we associate ourselves with this community because it gives us some sense of identity. And... When I found that out about that's what I was doing with the whole drug thing, it was like, oh, okay, so I'm not like addicted to the substance. Not saying you can't be you you can for sure be addicted to the substance, but a huge uh, string that's attached to that is that communal thing, because I look back and when I look back on that time, I look back and I say, man, that was some fun. And it's not the getting high that was so much fun. It was playing hacky sack at ten o'clock in the middle of our living room.
1: And not caring.
2: And not caring. Or we would go on late night bike rides in Bellevue and we would literally ride you know where the Belle Force condominiums are? Yeah. We would ride from there all the way down um uh Old Haker Boulevard. Mm-hmm past like Sam's. Oh wow! On the highway, not on the sidewalks. Oh, there's a giant hill there. I, we went down that hill one night, and it was amazing. <laughs> Did you? It, I can't now. even. I, it was, <laughs> so, we know. were going so fast. My I, I was pedaling, and my feet could not pedal faster than Take my wheels people. were going. Yeah, it was unreal. It was so fun. Uh, but I had a BMX bike, so I had no gears. So when we started uh-huh. going up hills, it was brutal. You were dead. But uh, it was a lot of fun, though. You know. And so I look back, and I'm like, man, that was a lot of fun. But I also felt so alone. I remember being um, like late at night. One of my roommates uh, had a girlfriend, and I remember feeling, you know, some jealousy, not like because I liked her or anything like that. It It was more so, no, it wasn't about her at all. It was just like, he's got somebody, and I have nobody, Um, you know, and I just felt so, you know, very, and it only kept, it only came in when I'd go to bed. You know, when we're all together, you know, it's all good. The moment I go to bed, it's like it creeps in, and that would be the moments where, you know, the, the whole, all the things that granny taught me, it would come back and it, and I'd be praying to God, God, I just, I hate this. I hate this life that I'm living. And I remember vividly thinking, please let me live until the morning, mm. uh, you know? And I don't know if I ever like made promises, like I'll stop if you do. Yeah. But it was like, please just let me live until the morning. And then I would get the morning and the sunshine would be out and feel good to be with all my friends and go right back to doing the same thing. yeah It was very, very odd. Um,
1: it is funny how different things feel at night and how different feel things feel alone, mm-hmm. you know.
2: It, it is, it is. And, you know, uh, I guess I need to get into how God uh, made all this work into good. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, <laughs> we don't have to rush that. Yeah, Because yeah. I think sometimes one of the things we do wrong when we tell our stories is we want to get to the happy ending. I think that I really appreciate, and it probably is going to make somebody who listens to this feel a little bit uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of glad. You just told me the truth. Mm-hmm. You said, when I look back about those days... I think about how much fun they were and how much I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we get up in church and we say, you know, I was bad and it was horrible and I right, didn't right. like it one bit. But the truth was we liked it very, very We really much. did. We wouldn't have done it if we did. Uh, now, there's some parts about it we didn't like. And right, We're honest right. about that too. Yeah. But, you know, if I tell my kids that, um, that, that that drugs are dirty and bad or that sex is gross and nasty, mm-hmm. um, they're going to find out that we were lying. That's exactly right. Yep. We need to tell the truth. These That's exactly right. things have their places in the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul is at First Timothy 4, said God created everything to be yes, used for thanksgiving yes. for his glory. Yes. Uh, I'm not saying that he intends us to get high all the time. I'm saying these things all have a purpose in right, order right. of the universe. That's right. And in, in telling the truth about that, we, we've, got to, we've got to make sure our messaging is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly,
2: being honest about it, that was kind of a weird way to say that. <laughs> Being honest about it is very helpful, I think, because then you you realize, you know, you're not the only one going yeah. through this stuff. I think when you do sugarcoat it, you can always walk away from the situation and be like, maybe maybe my story is a little bit different than theirs. And it is always going to have some minor details that are different. But I think for me, um, just getting through it and, and having that sense of community was so big and, yeah. and it played such a big role. But, I, you know... What was so interesting about the um, the foundation that Granny would uh, laid in my life was, like, we'd be sitting around in a circle, passing a joint around, getting high, laughing, you know, watching stupid videos on TV or whatever, and then one of my friends would start talking about, you know, how he doesn't believe in God. All of a sudden, I become an apologist, and I'm, like, defending God in the living room with a bunch of, you know, potheads, and we're all... And so that was one of the, that's one of those things where I look back and I'm like, you know, it's so interesting how, you know, that train up a child in the way and, you know, and I'm not saying that that's like a part, I mean, people wander away from the faith all the time, but I never once ever doubted that God was somewhere near.
1: It's so strange. Uh, My takeaway here is even while you're sitting there smoking pot, you're you're being a can I can I call you a faithful witness in that moment? <laughs> Maybe is that yeah. I mean, in how many times in the story of Scripture do we find people who are imperfect, doing what's wrong even, but that God is using to get His message through? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jonah is the worst prophet in the Bible. He's a sack mm-hmm. of garbage. Yeah. There, there's nothing redeeming about Jonah whatsoever. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. You know, <laughs> but despite that is saved because God works through him anyway.
2: That's right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh Yeah, and, you know, um, it it was kind of weird because, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how to add to that. I think... uh,
1: We want to sort life into black and white. We want there to be good and Mm we want there to be bad. But you just told me a story where there's good and bad all... It was all conglomerated and mixed in. In fact, you know...
2: um, and I, I guess I'll just I'll get to the where it all kind of came to a head and then I can tell you what I was just about to say because I don't want to get ahead of myself. But so um, after a while, basically, you know, I'm I'm and I want to make it clear when I say I was doing drugs, I was not like snort. I was not snorting cocaine. I wasn't shooting up heroin. I wasn't taking meth or anything like that. Uh, it, I was a I smoked pot every day. Uh, I my I budgeted my money around it. You know, when Friday paycheck came around, it was like I got to make sure I hold back forty dollars for you know this much or whatever. So it was very much a part of my life.
1: Uh, but like when I'm okay. sorry, going no, it's okay. It one more time, it's okay. And just say it is just so funny to me how weird our standards are and how arbitrary they are. Because that sentence of I planned my life around my pot intake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really easy for people to say. Oh, that's just bad. Mm-hmm. But you know what percentage of, of the people who are listening to this show plan their life around their caffeine intake? The yeah. difference is this one's legal and that one's not. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, we just need to be a little bit careful before we get too judgy on some of this yeah. stuff. That,
2: that is a very good point. Um, yeah. So, you know, I would, I mean, I would be thinking about paycheck and I'd be like, okay, well, I got to make sure I hold them back this much money or whatever. Um, and uh, I'm so sorry. I just lost my train of thought. Uh, just for the record this is why you don't need to do drugs because this because this
1: happens all the time <laughs> <laughs> there's there's your public service announcement boys and girls play the section we're, that's right <laughs> and to be fair we're recording this at the end of the week and that's the end right of the day and yeah, yeah.
2: we're both a little and dry. it has been at least uh let's see 14 years since i've done anything so that Congratulations. yeah that's it's a big it, deal it is pretty cool um but
1: so you're you're ordering your life around
2: yeah, 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 oh, I know what I was saying. So that was like the regular everyday thing. Uh, beer and alcohol was not really a big thing. I didn't like the taste of it, it yeah. um, but uh, if pills came in, man I was I was all over pills uh it, it that got so bad that I was like if I found out somebody in my life had pills, I would steal them out of their cabinet um, That's one of those where I've often told people pills are probably the most dangerous drug because. Uh, they can fly under the radar so easily. I could be sitting in this room with you right now and be like, oh man, I forgot I got to take my allergy medicine. I could get it out, take it right now. You wouldn't even think twice about it. It doesn't have a smell, none of that. And so people, I feel like, become so easily addicted to that because it's so easy and it's not detectable and all that kind of stuff. And so for me, it was just so easy to do that. Yeah. And it, they make you feel good and all this kind of stuff. But honestly, what ends up happening is you end up becoming a jerk. You end up hating everything um, you end up being so dependent on it that you're angry all the time. You, you're not the person that you yeah. were. It
1: gets you to the point where you're stealing from your family. Then. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, not it's, okay. it's not good. And it happened quick too. I mean, I'm talking mm-hmm. within a few weeks of me, uh, taking pills. Um, but you know, it, I experimented with things like, you know, I remember Monroe comes to town and my friends are like, Hey, you know, they got, they got some, uh, some acid. You want to get some acid? So we, you know, we took some LSD and and stuff like that. But all of these experiences that I had on acid shrooms, all of this kind of stuff, there was always something bad linked to it. Like I had quite a few bad trips um, and I was always, anytime something bad would happen, I would always look back and I would think, my mom would always say, now always think about your con- the consequences of your actions. Mm. And so I would you know, be excited and I would take a hit of acid and immediately be like oh my goodness what's gonna happen next yeah it was never like oh i can't wait it was you know oh no something bad what have i done yeah and so that was always just kind of on my mind and uh i'll never forget there was this one specific night a friend of mine had been talking about how he was wanting to start growing pot because uh the community around where we were buying it from there was rumors that they were putting horse tranquilizers or something like that in the in the pot and um, and so, uh, that it got, I was like, that's crazy, you know, but it didn't really make me stop, you know, but I just thought it was crazy. Well, one night we're all sitting around and I think we're watching, uh, the wall, uh, Pink Floyd, the wall. <laughs> and, uh, and we're sitting there in the room. Can we get any more stereotypes in here? <laughs> so we're sitting there and my friend goes, uh, do you guys like feel more than high? And as a as a, you know, a stoner, I'm like, yeah, man, and I just kind of laughed it off. Like, I thought he was just being silly. And he's like, "No, man, I mean, like maybe they put horse tranquilizers in it." And dude, again, going back to me overthinking everything. Immediately I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness, like what the heck?" So I'm just like, everybody else is enjoying Pink Floyd and I'm just sitting here all of a sudden in my own head freaking out. I mean, I'm thinking, "What if this is the case?" I'm thinking I probably need to call my mom. And then immediately I'm like, "Well, what if this is God giving me my last chance to call my mom?" And I'm just having all of these thoughts go through my head. And I started uh, I started uh, shaking. Like my nerves were just like unreal. Never had the shake so bad. It was like I had the chills, but it was like uncontrollable. And so I went upstairs. I tried to get in my bed and cover up. That did not do anything. And so I was like, the only thing I know to do is get in a hot shower. Because I know that'll be warm. So I get in this hot shower. And dude, I'm in the shower. And I start begging God. I was just like, God, please take this feeling away. Please, I am begging you. I will stop this. Please take this feeling away. And I'm not even joking. It's hard to say. Literally on a dime, the feeling, the shakes, all of it just stopped. And uh, and I just calmly uh, got in bed. And I went to bed that night, and I was like, holy crap, dude. Like, God, God just really did something. I don't know what just happened, yeah. but it was something I could not fix. And um, and while I was praying, dude, it was like something grabbed a hold of me and just gave me peace. And um, that was probably about two or three months before I officially quit. I woke up the next day, did it all again. Yeah, uh, But there was a lot of peace there. But I slowly remember having the thought, Daniel, you know, you know, you need to stop. So I just kind of would occasionally they'd be passing the stuff around and be like, I think I'm good. You know, I wasn't opposed to it, but I was just kind of weaning off of it. Yeah. And then New Year's Eve, we're all sitting around. I'm carrying a drink around of all things like I know, I don't drink at all, but I'm carrying a drink around. And I'm I don't know what time it was. It was the middle of the night sometime and there's people everywhere in the house. And and I just had this thought. It, it, it was like God said, Daniel, you're free, man. Mm-hmm. And I had the thoughts like, yeah, you're right. I don't have to keep doing this. And, uh, and so I I just, I was done. I mean, I, I had no attachment to it after that. Wow! Uh, It was pretty wild. There was a few times after that, I kept living with them for about six months. There was a few times after that in the next six months where I was, I got vulnerable and gave into, but the attachment to it was gone. Yeah. Um, and, uh. You know, and so, uh, but of course, I'm in my own head. I've been drinking all night, and so I go to bed trying to have peace. And I'm like, "What if I aspirate in my sleep now?" And this is <laughs> so. Again, my mind is just going all, every every which ways. But I remember waking up, and I was just like, "Yeah, man, I'm done. I'm I'm just so done." Yeah. And so I started going to church with my mom, and I got baptized at a church camp when I was about 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, by Philip Jenkins, which I hear is a
1: is a good friend of yours or you know. Really? Yeah. So. yeah he and I were freshman roommates. Yeah, yeah. That's cool.
2: So uh, he uh, he pulled me aside at church camp, first time ever being at church camp. I was an awkward teenager. Uh, he actually called my house to invite me, which is kind of neat. I, I grew up at Granny White, which is where they were. You okay, know. I was trying to get these dots put yeah, together. Yeah. What time? So that, well, I say I grew up at Granny White. I was at River Road, then my family shifted to Granny White. Okay, uh, and that's and, when his dad was preaching That's there. right, yep. Okay. So we knew Dale. Dale was the guy. He was at camp and all that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And so I got baptized at church camp. I'm sorry, he didn't baptize me. Dale did. Okay. Philip
1: uh, pulled me aside to talk to me about it. And so I was like, yeah, it's a good idea. He and I texted today. Did you? That's yeah. awesome. I, had a, I wanted some help on a sermon, and youth ministers have the most creative
2: brains. There you go. So you talking about Philip? Yeah, Philip. That's so cool. Yeah. I don't know if he would even remember me. I'm honest. sure he yeah. would. I guarantee it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he, uh, it's been that long since I saw him probably. Uh, so about 18 years or so. Uh, So anyway, so I get baptized at church camp and uh, I'm excited. You know, my family's been trying to get me to get baptized forever. I was putting it off because I didn't want to get in front of people, but it felt right at church camp. No life changed at all. You know, I'm I, maybe I'd stopped cussing or something like that. I don't know. I'm 15 years old. Fast forward. I'm in church with my mom. Finally, after I've dropped this whole thing again, I'm reluctant to say I was on drugs. I was I was smoking pot every day. And I know there's a lot of people that would say there's no difference. When I hear I'm on drugs, I'm thinking I'm snorting cocaine and taking right. pills all the time. Uh, I was, uh, but either way, I was doing. I was, I was messing with my mind on a substance constantly. Um. And uh, I'm in church um, for the first time ever. I'm clear-headed for a regular basis. And I had taken the Lord's Supper quite a bit since I got baptized as a kid. Yeah. And I remember sitting there in the pew and they started passing around and I didn't take it. And my mom was like, are you okay? And I started crying and I was like, I'm fine. It'll be okay. And uh, so after that, I, I like ran downstairs. I found this guy named Mike Cochran. I don't know if you know his name. He was uh, one of the deacons or the elders there. Um, and I told him right then I was like, I need to get baptized right now, and he was like, Okay, well, uh, my back's kind of hurting. Let me find you somebody that'll do it. <laughs> and so, uh, so they did. They he baptized me. Um, and uh, I'll never forget when I hugged my granny. You know, my granny. Uh, she hugged me and she said, "Um, Daniel, angels are rejoicing in heaven right now." Yeah, they are. And I was like, Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I mean, I felt I felt truly free. I felt like this moment where I was like, OK, now I actually have committed my life to Jesus. Yeah. And um, it's so cool because at that time I, I had begun to be friends with this other guy named Chad. And I may have mentioned to you, Chad, before. Um, and so he so Chad, dude, he he was like a lifesaver for this time period of my life. I live with all my friends. I'm, I'm still loving my friends. I love hanging out with them. They're great. Uh, but I'm trying to transition out of this lifestyle we're all living so Chad starts coming to me he starts hanging out at my house all my friends are smoking pot and we're me and him are hanging out and we're not smoking pot yeah so we started this regular habit of uh, he ended up getting a Hollywood video uh, back when there were video stores yeah uh, a Hollywood video uh account and he had just bought a house in uh um right up where the old sod farm is, Avondale or something like that off of Macquarie Lane. And so we're like, you know, in our early twenties, I just started working at Gibson. And so that was kind of the big thing for me. I cut grass my whole life. So I didn't have to worry about drugs. I start working at Gibson. I got to clean myself up to get this job. Yeah. And so, um, I'm trying to get things regular in my life. And, um, so me and him start hanging out every day. So we're going to Hollywood video. And it's funny, we're going to pick out a video and we would go to the, Kroger at Highway 100 right there, the Hollywood video is on the corner. We go to Kroger and get food and we go back to his house and cook. And after a while, I will say just a little side note, after a while I started to notice, I was like, you know, people that see us both regularly in these places all the time probably have certain
1: thoughts. <laughs> I have a different picture <laughs> of what y'all's relationship is like. Yeah. But
2: probably. either either way, man, he was such a such a foundation for this whole thing. And at the same time, me and him were both reading through the New Testament together, separately but together and talking about it. And that was so formative for me because every break I had at at work, I would stop and read through every opportunity I had. I found myself going outside and trying to sit, you know, in the middle of the the front yard at Gibson, you know, uh, just to get some some time. And that was so big because I had always heard about the parables of Jesus. I'd always heard about, uh, you know, Jesus teaching on divorce and remarriage and things like that, you know, but I never knew the context of it. Yeah. And I remember reading the words of Jesus, and, I'm, and I remember thinking, dude, this is amazing. Uh, Jesus is amazing. And I didn't have any context for understanding what he was all about, but I just remember thinking that. And, um, man, it, that started in me this extreme desire. I, I love the Bible. I mean, I know me and you talk about the Bible all the time, but yeah. like it is seriously my favorite thing in the world. If there's a tangible thing in the world that I can put my hands on, it is a Bible. I yeah. love it. Um, it is so fun to study. I love just, like you said, nerding out on it, getting into the in the, the, the deep the deep end of it. Um, yeah,
1: we've had some fun conversations yeah. years from everything about how the afterlife and the resurrection works, to yeah. angels and demons and the unseen realm, to, to Greek words. And we've been around the bonfire at your house with with some of those same questions, what does it mean that the world will be dissolved? That's right, yeah. I remember, I told Leslie the other night at softball, I was like, yeah, I said, I'm pretty sure I'm
2: Matt's controversial question guy. Yeah, uh, uh, I said, because I'm always texting him some kind of
1: random weird question. <laughs> Do you believe you're not even in the top five on that category? Oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah These awesome. are always fun, though. That's <laughs> fun. That's awesome. That's encouraging, actually. It really is. It, uh, the thing I've always enjoyed about you, um, I get when we when we wrestle with stuff you want to wrestle with scripture Mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes the answers you've come to aren't the answers that people around you have come to Mm -hmm. and i mean no disrespect i'm not throwing any shade with this yeah sometimes that's sometimes people don't appreciate it if you question something that they've they've heard Mm -hmm. yet you seem to me to have a pretty deep commitment to i'm following this word wherever it takes me Mm -hmm. um I, when I say whether you like it or not, it makes it sound like you've gotten out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, not, no, I know not what you mean. You know. Yeah, well, for me, it's it's more about like you know,
2: I want to, I want to ask questions that people would say, why would you even ask that? Yeah. Um. Like one of the questions I asked my grandmother one time, I was like, in all the gospel presentations in in the Book of Acts, uh, how or if you were to present the gospel today, how necessary do you think it is that we tell people that you're gonna go to heaven one day? And she said, oh, a hundred percent. I was like, mm. did you know that in the book of Acts, it never says that? And she was like, really? And so I'm not using that as an example to bring open up a can of worms. I'm just saying, though, yeah.
1: I ask those questions because I want to get a but that's completely fresh assumption that people have. They don't even realize they're bringing to that's right. I also. want us into a guy talk the other day and he said, that, you know, he met somebody he said, didn't believe in hell. And he said, Well, I mean, if you don't believe in hell, what's the point of being a Christian? Mm. And I thought, well, I thought the point of being a Christian was knowing Jesus and loving Jesus and loving your maker. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just I don't want to burn. It's something bigger than that. Right, right. And even understanding
2: the context of what hell means and what Jesus was talking about and all that kind of stuff. That for me is what's key. And so I'm content with being. I want to be careful how I use this word. I'm content with being agnostic about a lot of things in the Bible until I feel Com- confident that I I have a pretty stable understanding. Well, you know, here's the thing: if
1: you're holding, and I don't mean that toward things like Jesus no, no, and stuff. No. I just mean, but things, the like, ambiguous things, the you things know, things that are hard. If you've got a twenty dollar bill in your hand, and I try to snatch it from you, you're going to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a one dollar bill in your hand, and I try to snatch it, you're not going to hold it quite as hard. Mm. If you've got a stack of hundred dollar bills, you're going to hang on pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so for me, there are some hundred dollar doctrines in Bible that I'm going to hang on to. I'm yeah. going to hang on to the resurrection. To my dying breath, because mm-hmm. that matters more than anything. Yes, um, there's a whole lot of other ones that are twenty dollar doctrines mm-hmm. or ten dollar doctrines, and there's some. Let's just be honest; that aren't hardly penny doctrines. Mm-hmm. That you know, I just can't hang on to this so hard because I'm not. If it were that important to God, it would have been louder or clearer or right. frequent. Right. Right.
2: No, that's a that's a very good point. And, and, you know, and for me, that's really been this whole journey with the Bible has been trying to. Go back and pretend like I don't know what I'm reading. Yeah. I want to. I want to re- understand it afresh. I want to go back and and reread and try to make the connections. And it has been fun. Um, speaking of resurrection, so um, you know, probably. Well, I guess I, I'm I'm skipping all around. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, Nobody knows your story but you. Yeah, so yeah. You yeah. Tell so whatever word you want. Um, so I get freed. I'm. Um, I'll I'll get onto the whole resurrection thing here in a minute. Uh, I get freed from all of that and i'm I'm on this journey i'm I'm you know developing my faith and stuff and uh I start playing music with a friend named matt my mom's living in Ashland city she's doing well her health is going getting better we're regularly uh, at Bellevue church now um, and uh, we had a little community of people that we sat with all the time uh, two little older ladies that we used to see all the time well during that time um the uh my mom got uh she found out from a friend of mine. Well, a friend of mine's mom was the lead neuro- neurologist at uh, Vanderbilt. My mom had seizures my entire life. She'd been on seizure medicine and depression medicine my whole life. And it's a tough combo. It's a big, tough combo. Well, so my friend's mom was like, Susan, do you realize that the both medicines that you, you're taking, both uh, the side effects are the other thing? Yeah. And she was like, "No, I didn't know that." So, like, her depression medicine can cause seizures, and her seizure medicine can cause depression. So, there were neither one was working because she was still having seizures, and she was always depressed. So, she was like, "I think that we can get you in and let's look at, let's figure out where your seizures are coming from. I think we might be able to help you and and get you off some of this medicine." So, um, she gets, she runs all the tests. Uh, It was an extremely frightening experience for me because uh, they took her off of her medicine so that she would have seizures so that they could see where they're happening. And I happened to be in the room when it was happening. And it was, it was awful. It was not fun. Um, and so, uh, they found out where it's coming from. She, they scheduled this brain surgery. I'll never forget. I text her. I was at Gibson one day. I text her. I said, it's going to be okay. Uh, everything's going to be all right. And then, uh, during recovery, she had a stroke Mm. and she was paralyzed from on her right side Mm. for, um, well until she died uh, but she uh, she was paralyzed on the right side or her right ma- the right side of her mouth all of that kind of stuff she had the the drooping side of her mouth and all that and um, and I remember the doctor's like yeah, it'll probably just be a few months of this and I remember I didn't even know what a stroke was at the time I'm young so I'm kind of optimistic we got to rehab we spent a year or two and it's not get- it's getting a little better but nothing that seems promising I'm like this is gonna be a lifetime of rehabilitation is what yeah. it feels like because it was really bad um, and so uh, during this time, I'm playing music with a friend, and um, the Nashville floods. I lose my job, but for uh, two months because Gibson got flooded, it was like this whole thing uh, happened. And during this time, I'm playing music with um with a friend from who's ac- actually at Chapel Hill. Um, uh, her name is Season. I don't know if you know her yeah. or not. Yeah. So uh, she, uh, me, and her started playing music. And at the same time, uh, a good friend of mine I used to play music in a band with, I was playing music with him. And um, so we, uh, me and Season are writing songs and stuff. And so I start seeing Devin, my wife, uh, for the first time in years, uh, Went playing music with Season. And I mean, Devin's young, you know, I'm probably 20, 21 at the time, Devin's 17, she's still in high school. But I knew her, I, I had known her for a few years uh, through mutual friends and stuff. And so we're playing, me and season are playing music. Well, me and season stopped playing music and life moves on and all this kind of stuff. Well, I'm playing music with, uh, another guy, the same, uh, the other guy I was in the band with, he's, uh, releasing a new album. He wanted me to play the album release party or whatever. It was a lot of fun. And so, uh, but he was like, I really, I want some openers. Do you think you and season would be okay opening up? And I was like, okay, we haven't played in a couple of years, but that'd be fun. So, he was also like, do you think Season would be willing to sing a song and back up with me, like sing, you know, it was a, I can't remember the guy, it was a cover song, and he was like, you know, one of her favorite artists, and he knew that. So we bring Season along. So we're practicing one afternoon, and uh, and Matt was like, uh, do you think she could come at least practice a song once? I was like, yeah, probably. So I called her up on the phone. And I said, hey, can you uh, come this afternoon to practice a song? She said, yeah, me and Devin are in... Um, Cool Springs or something like that. We'll be there this afternoon. And so this is now 2012. Okay. And so Devin's 20 or 19 or 20. Uh, No, she would have been 20 at this time. And so, uh, well, I don't even know. She would have been 19 about to be 20 or something. I don't know. The reason that's important is because I swore off that I would never date a 19-year-old at this time in my uh, life. And so. I I thought it was important (laughs) because we were clarifying that you weren't going to go to jail for what happened to this story. Okay. (laughs) No, no, no. Uh, and so uh, so they show up and we do our thing and, and they leave. Well, I'm talking to season on the phone one day and she's like, hey, you know, uh, I know somebody that would probably go out with you. And I was like, oh, yeah. Who? And she said, Devin. And I remember having the thought she is she's too young. Yeah. Because, again, I swore off 19 year olds. And she was like, no, I think she's like 20 or 21. And I'm 25 at the time or 24 or something like that. And I was like, oh, OK, that's that's very different. And so uh, she's like, well, here, get her number. So I get her number, and I wait like a week to call her, which totally freaked her out because she was like, he's got my number. He's not calling me. It didn't freak her out, but I, th- I remember her thinking, like, what's the deal, you know? Yeah, I guess. It's and, right. and my whole deal was, I, 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 I told her this to this day. I, my whole deal was I had had so many hodgepodge weird relationships in my life. And this was the first time ever that I thought I actually might start dating this girl and this be it. And it freaked me out because I was like, what if this is the last phone call I ever make to a new girl? (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't mean it like, what if I never get to date again? It was more so like, this might be the whole new trajectory of my life right now. Oh, wow. And if you're ready for it, then this is it. Click. Yeah. that seatbelt. Yeah. And so I called her up and and the rest is history there. You know, we started dating. uh, We started talking a lot and started dating and it worked out great but you know the reason i told you about the baseball story is because uh the baseball story was a very clear moment in my life where i decided to take the music path and if i hadn't taken the music path then i wouldn't have played music with season Hmm. And if I hadn't played music with Season, I wouldn't have called her up that day. Yeah. And if I hadn't have called her up that day, she wouldn't have brought Devin with her. And if they hadn't have come together, then they wouldn't have had that conversation. And and I, if they hadn't come together, you never would have met me. That's, See, I, it's exact, that That's exactly that's That no, was the pinnacle of No, actually, you're 100% right, because I moved to White Bluff for Devin. But you did. And so uh, you're 100% right. And so the reason I'm in this room right now is because I got hit in the face with a baseball. Let's
1: just put it that way. <laughs> and it feels exactly the same, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, are you and, okay? How many fingers am I holding up? That's yeah. right. That's right. And so, you know. God have a sense of humor. though. it's so
2: wild. Yeah. I mean, because at the time, I remember thinking, "Why me, God? This this is terrible." Yeah, I mean, it freaked me out. It messed with my season, Uh not the girls' season. It messed <laughs> it messed with messed with my baseball season the rest of the year. I hit I hit bad. I was scared to get up to the plate. Um, I didn't play anymore after that. That was yeah. my last season. And so, um, you know, but when I, I I use that as a story a lot to say I can actually. And there's more details in there too that I could share, but I can actually take you on a on a trajectory that leads you right to where I'm at from the time I got hit with a baseball,
1: and again, literally to this room. Yeah, to this to room, your, to your sweet son. To yes, your marriage. Yes, to your house, to your Bible class teaching, to your writing. Yes, it's
2: it's amazing what God does with something that seems completely um,
1: random. I am really going to have to start throwing baseballs at people's faces. Yeah. That's what You could change people's lives. That's right. <laughs> yeah, for the good it. I that. get to do jail ministry, you know? <laughs> uh
2: so yeah, um you know, so I guess you know, you get to I'm at Chapel Hill now and you get there and and uh you know, I get to be one of the teachers uh there. I've had a lot of really cool opportunities um being in this role and and um you know, it's funny how you get to this point and you do see
1: that path, but it's like, I never could see this coming. Yeah. You know, and... You could have. If, no. you tried, if, if you wrote a novel with that as a storyline, the editors would reject it as being unrealistic. Mm. Uh, and the same even with the story of, of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. What percentage of people who get involved with drugs and alcohol basically wake up and say, no, I'm not going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know those numbers, they're awful. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work that way.
2: It doesn't work that way. In fact... Um, you know, I've been thinking about uh, the the phrase, um, I have an addictive personality. Yeah. You know, you hear people say, I have an addictive personality. One thing, I, and cr- you can correct me if you want to, but I was trying to think about today, I don't know anybody that says, I don't have a, an addictive personality. Yeah. I've come to the conclusion that we all do. And I tell you why. Because I actually think it's it's our worship gene. Yeah. I think that what we have within us is we have the capacity within us to devote our full to something and that manifests itself through addictive behaviors it can be um, being addicted to chocolate it can be addicted to YouTube videos it can be addicted to political garb it can be addicted to whatever Uh, but we have the ability within us to be completely invested in something Yes, and meant to be. That's right, and we become shaped by that thing when yes. we and and that's we the become up- what we worship. That's exactly right, and that becomes the model for why it's so important that we worship the Creator, mm. because if we're made in His image and we have somehow tarnished that because of our sin and because of Jesus, He is the true image of God and He's actually reconciling us to the Father. Then to be brought back into relationship with God through Jesus means that that image that we I don't want to say we removed. We didn't remove it because later in Genesis it still says we're made in the image of God. We cracked it. We, we cracked it. We, it. we did something funky with it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But somehow Jesus is restoring that. And I think, uh, I love that passage in uh, 2 Corinthians 3 when he talks about how when we behold the glory of the Lord with an unveiled face, we are being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And the whole point of that is that when you behold something, I remember when I was a kid, Michael Jordan was the guy I beheld. I, I watched everything. But you know what else I did? I wore his jerseys. I tried to play like him. I did all of these things. I shaped everything about me. And and sometimes intentionally, but sometimes it was just kind of, it's very similar to your son. How, uh, you know, your son doesn't walk around and say, dad, teach me how to be like you. And so he goes and takes notes. He just follows you around he learns from you and he starts saying things like you good or bad Mm -hmm. and eventually you're like man he's he's acting just like me and it can kind of freak you out a little bit um but it's the same way with moses on the mountain right like he i tell people all the time you know he went up on the mountain and he came back and his face was radiating the glory of god yeah now do you think he went up there and said god teach me how to radiate your glory when Mm -hmm. i get down from the hill no he just was there in his presence and he radiated the glory of god and so i think that when we Devote our time and our energy, and we worship God, the One who we He's created us in His image. His life and His and His presence and His Spirit begin to start producing things in
1: us, like love and joy and peace. I've read that list somewhere. <laughs> That's and right. I'll tell you, a small part of my soul dies every time I hear a sermon or series uh, on Galatians five, where this fruit of the Spirit become a to do list, yes. because it's not. It's it's the work of God, and it's not like God working. It's, it's like you said, Moses didn't have a Bible study on top of the mountain right. where here's 12 lessons on how to become glowing. <laughs> That's right. It was being in the presence of God changed him. Yes. In the same way that in the New Testament, uh, the disciples were a bunch of arguing coward misfits. I mean, they're mm-hmm. running away. My favorite people are the gospel. in the Gospels are those guys in Mark's Gospel mm-hmm. who run away naked rather yeah, than yeah. get caught with Jesus. That's what these guys are like. But mm-hmm. then something happens. These guys, every one of them, say, "I will die for Jesus," and they put their own lives on the line.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they
1: didn't do it because they heard a really good sermon, and mm-hmm. they didn't do it because they took the right medicine, and they didn't do it because the right Caesar got voted in. Mm-hmm. They did it because they experienced the resurrected Jesus. Yes. Yeah, that changes yes. everything. It really does, and it
2: actually gives you some some uh, substance to our hope. You know, when, that's what I love about resurrection is that you know, we, so I, the, the last part of the story, I guess I could probably share is, um, about, let's see, 2016, my mom, uh, she died. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's actually interesting. She died almost exactly seven years from the day she had the stroke, which oh, wow. is, is very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, she went through this hardcore period of testing and she was a very bitter person. She loved people, but she was also very bitter. She, uh, she struggled a lot, uh, when she had that stroke, it humbled her so much and she became, I don't, again, I, I don't want to, I love my mom to death so I don't want to, but you know, she she had lots of struggles. Yeah. But when that happened, she became so humble and such a lovely person and she had such a good outlook on everything and, uh, but she just had that paralyzation on the on the right side and uh, she developed a lung disease um, that uh, partly because she had smoked a lot when she was, When I was growing up, probably like 20-something years, so her lungs were not really super great. Her paralyzation caused her lungs to not function really well. Right. So she couldn't really recover. Her paralyzation kept her from being able to get up and walk all the time, so she couldn't actually get exercise. So there was like all of these things going on. Uh, She got this lung disease called bronchiectasis, I think is what it's called. I never heard of it until she... And then turns out my grandmother's got it too. Mm -hmm. Granny, the woman I've been talking about. Uh, But she gets exercise because she can get up, and so she deals with it a little bit better. So my mom, uh, it got so bad we had to call hospice in, and she uh, she died uh, on uh, July eighth, twenty sixteen. And I'll never forget that night. We were singing. Um, my uncle, first of all, my uncle Gene Hannah. He said, uh, "Let's sing a couple songs." And she was like on her. She was about to be gone. Um, and uh, he and we sang the song. Um, well, I can't even think of what it uh, every time we sing it it just tears me up it, it's a song about um well it's a song about heaven I can't I can't even think of what it's yeah. called um I can't, that's gonna drive me nuts now that uh sorry folks I'm leaving you hanging we'll uh, edit it
1: back in the podcast <laughs> if you think about it or we'll put it in the show uh, notes or something. that's right
2: that's right uh everybody knows it though it's one of those it's one of those songs um and so we're singing it and then that we decided to pray and while we were praying uh, I heard my grandmother go there she goes. And I lifted up my head and she was gone. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I told you she had her right side was paralyzed. Her right hand was drawn up really, really bad. Like she had no function of it. To, she had to like pry it open if she wanted to even open her hand to get exercise, but she had no function of her hand it was drawn up really bad. And, uh, um, I often think, I don't know if it's the same thing, but the guy with the withered hand and, yeah. uh, in the new Testament, I often think that maybe it was something like that. Maybe it wasn't, I don't have a clue. Uh, but that's kind of what I picture. And, um, so there's a couple of things. She loved Wheel of Fortune. Mm-hmm. I mean, she loved it. She set her phone alarm for 6.30 every night to lo- to watch Wheel of Fortune. She died uh, 6.05, something like that. We're all crying, and then her alarm goes off. And so we started laughing, and we are like, it's Wheel of Fortune time. Yeah. And so we're just cutting up and stuff. And for whatever reason, man, I had this thought. I was just like, I wonder if her hand is open. Yeah. And so I go over to her body, and her hand was open. It yeah. was released. And I had this thought: I was like she's free, like she's actually free. And um, that 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 mortal body, because of the age that we live in, where things are frail and they, frankly, they suck. <laughs> they're, they're they're painful. They're uh, they're they're uh, susceptible to the disease and and all of these things. That body, it it wrecked her. I mean, if there's anybody that I can point to and say, yeah, like her body, it was very evident that she just had a horrible bodily life in the last seven years of her life. And I saw that and I was just like, man, she's free. But what's interesting is around the time that she was really sick, I started really diving into resurrection theology and trying to like understand what does it really mean that we're going to be raised from the dead? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting I know, I don't know what everybody thinks about resurrection and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that was so powerful to me was if resurrection doesn't have to do with a body, then I just watched my mom go through an immense amount of suffering for nothing. Mm-hmm. I sat there and watched her painfully take her last breath, only for Satan to be able to look at God and say, Hey, I had a little bit of a victory, didn't I? Yeah. But that's not the case. Knowing that God is going to raise her from the dead one day. Incorruptible. Incorruptible. That body that that Satan thinks he was able to inflict a disease on, however all that works. I'm not saying Satan did it. I'm just saying whatever the evil powers that were this behind broken this, world did it, this so. broken world, that's right. Yeah. Whatever happened to her, God's going to redeem and reverse it so much mm-hmm. in the in the age to come. And she's going to stand again. She's going to have full use of her hands and her eyes and all of the things that she was struggling with. And I'm going to get to hug her again. And I'm going to get to you know tell her I love her. And it's not going to be this body that we're trapped in where things hurt and and you know you can get sick and you can all of these things. It's going to be a body that's glorious and, and powerful and empowered by the spirit. Yes, powered yes. Powered by the flesh. That's right. Powered to be able to do righteousness, to be able to, you know, walk, uh, what is it, uh, seek justice and love uh, mercy and walk humbly with our God. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love the idea of thinking about that because for me, it's not going, going to, entering into the coming age where there is resurrection and Christ is on his throne and we reign with him. Um, I feel like we have such a blurry idea of what that looks like. And, you know, now, after seeing my mom's death it really gave me in in my opinion it gave me a very clear view of resurrection because if resurrection is to undo death th- then th- I just got a really good idea of what death is. Yeah. So if resurrection has a undo- really good idea of what undoing that's is. right that's right. And again I can't I can't fully understand that. No. But
1: um you know we've done ourselves a disservice when we've pictured the resurrection as we turn into little see-through ghosts who float around heaven all day. Yeah. When scripture talks about the the, the new Jerusalem where there's mm-hmm. no sin, sickness, death, sorrow, the Lamb of God is all its yeah. light. Uh, it sure sounds a lot like Eden, except bigger and better and more beautiful. Yes. And You know, here we are, a kingdom of priests to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, what a beautiful image. And I think the more concrete of an image we have of that, mm-hmm. the better we do when we stand beside the grave. A hundred percent.
2: You know, yeah, I can't even say it better than that. I'm not even going to try to respond to that. You did it, man. (laughs) You did
1: it. Well, Daniel, man, we've been all over the place, but we've talked about the goodness of God. Yeah. We've talked about God's providence when he hits you in the face with a fastball. (laughs) Actually, we didn't say he hits you, but we said he
2: used it. Yeah, a good friend of mine did. Uh, Yeah. Maybe that was uh, my Job moment where God sent out an angel and told him to throw the...
1: (laughs) Uh, Maybe so. You know, we've talked about the the power and the influence of a godly woman, like your granny, like your mom. Mm Mm-hmm. Grateful for what season's done for you and what Devin's done for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's easy to get trapped in what's wrong, but God has brought what's right mm-hmm. front and center through your story. Yeah. You
2: know, you said that I, I, I don't want to forget to bring up uh, Devin. So, you know, one of the things that's so powerful about having her as a wife, when my mom was dying, um, Devin was my rock. She was everything for me. She She basically was like, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to take care of your mom's every, like all the stuff that you don't need to worry about. Yeah. So that you can just be with your mom. Yeah. So she managed her medicines. She took her to doctor's appointments. She took a part-time job so that she kept Granny out and all this oh, kind wow. of stuff. She did all this crazy stuff, and then, you know, we, I had lots of issues uh, just wrestling with church things early on, and she stuck with me by all that, and she helped me deal with all that. She has literally been uh, the most constant person that i know today i love her to death she is amazing and the fact that we got to bring this little dude into existence bradley he is a mess but it's so fun to get to teach him about jesus and to teach him about the resurrection and things like that you know one of the one of the ways that we teach him about resurrection is uh when we talk about jesus first of all i say he did die, but you know what else? And he goes, he he came back from the dead. I'm like, that's right, buddy. That's right. That's right. And so, uh, there's your hundred dollar doctrine. There you go. A- amen. And so, but when we see somebody in a funeral, though, that's another thing. I say, I say, you know what, buddy? This, it's this is not good. I said they did die, and he and he's like, why? And I was like, well, you know, I don't really understand why they died. But I said, but you know what, buddy? I said, God's gonna wake that person up again, and they're and they're gonna they're gonna stand again on their in their body and 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 they're going to not hurt anymore and, and getting to teach him through that lens I feel like he just has such a diff, such a different picture than I did growing up and I just hope that it does him a, a good service as he gets older because yeah it's so it's so huge like you said it's a, it's a million dollar doctrine for sure
1: I have no doubt that it will bless him yeah, yeah it absolutely will yeah well daniel man thanks for your time thanks yeah. for sharing your story and I hope One of the things that I hope this does is every story is just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, And you never know sometimes until you look back on the story Mm. and you start to put it together. And it gives you an opportunity to think about the people and places God used. Uh, And then maybe that helps you think about how you will be those people in those places Mm. for others in times to come. But uh, again, I'm really grateful that you'd share with us. And and friends, I'm really grateful that you would uh, give us the gift of your time to listen today. And I'd appreciate it if you don't mind sharing this with a friend that you think Maybe needs to hear this, or they could be blessed by Daniel's uh, example or by Daniel's story of how God worked in him, because that's what this is all about. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, I can't wait to hear what God is up to in your story.
0: Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories.